It's good to see you all here this morning. A hearty welcome. As I prayed, I am so thankful you're here. I hope you feel welcomed, as we say every week through this kind of weird social distancing time we're at. We, we feel bad that you may not be able to be greeted as, as we would normally like, but I hope you feel welcome here today. Maybe you haven't been here in a while or you've never been here. Please feel welcome today. We are very uh, down-to-earth We attempt to be a very genuine group of believers who want to worship God, to pray, and to study God's Word in the Spirit. And so I pray that you can enjoy study today, uh, that God would work in your hearts as He has done in my life all week through this passage we're going to look at today. Would you go with me to 1 Peter? 1 Peter, we're going to start there right in chapter 1. If you're new with us, or maybe you haven't been here for a couple weeks, um, we are, we're into this series called Looking to Jesus. We're engaging in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, which clearly encourage us with this. Amidst time of trial and testing, fix your eyes on Jesus. There's a lot of things that could distract us right now. A lot of nonsense, a lot of unrest, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of disgust, a lot of discouragement. And what are we to do as followers of Jesus Christ? Well, we're to take the exhortation of Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 and intentionally fix our eyes on the north star of our spiritual journey. Fix our eyes on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and never, ever, ever, ever take our eyes off Jesus Christ. So far, we've fixed our eyes on Jesus, the supreme rescuer. Oh man, my heart was overwhelmed thinking on that as we went through the scripture, seeing how Jesus is the rescuer, the Savior. Uh, We spent time looking at Jesus as the promised conqueror. The hero, the protagonist in this beautiful story that's on your lap right now. In the Bible, the protagonist, the hero, is Jesus Christ, the hero. We sort of started at the beginning, saw how he was promised, and we took a glimpse of what the end will look like. And when Jesus comes back to fix all this nonsense that we're in, this broken world. Today, we're going to spend some time looking at exactly what's on the screen up there. Jesus, the giver of joy. I hope your heart's been prepared to receive this because certainly God has been doing a work of grace in my heart on this. I want to tell you, anytime there's a passage that's to be preached on the given Sunday, I just got to be prepared because I know it's coming. (laughs) I'll maybe share more of this at the end of this service. But I'm going to tell you, this week, this concept of joy was tested in a massive way in my life on so many different fronts. Like every day. Well, I'll share it. And we're talking about, you know, lightweight things, but sleep. I I like to sleep, and I don't always sleep that good. So I was in a deep sleep Tuesday night, and all of a sudden it sounded like a rodeo was happening outside my window. Somehow the horses got into our backyard and uh, into our firewood pile, and were just jumping all over the place, breaking through the fence. They came through an open fence, decided to mow down my wife's uh, beloved corn patch for the year. To just demolish this thing. I'm waking up thinking, what is happening outside my window? 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning. And I'm taking off. They, they, one of them, he likes getting out and having a rodeo in the neighborhood. So he takes off, and I'm out in the road, and I keep going farther, farther after this guy with the lead rope. And as soon as he sees the lead rope, he's taking back off to the house. I'm just like, really? I was finally deep asleep. God Almighty is like, yeah, you know what you're preaching on on Sunday? Jesus is the giver of joy. Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for reminding me of that. I mean, it's just different events. I'll share more at the end of the sermon. I mean, we're, we are constantly engaged with these things. And actually, as we start to dial in and we think about these things, we're thinking, these really aren't as big of problems as we're making them right now. 
What we're going to look at today is when we talk about joy in the Scriptures constantly, God Almighty through His Holy Spirit, through the sacrifices Jesus Christ is taking our vision from our problem here on this horizontal level and saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. It's not all that bad. Look to me. I'm the Savior of your soul. Well, today we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus, the giver of joy. Here's the reality check. Through pandemic, political nonsense, riots, medical emergencies, uh, murder, hornets, unexpected deaths, whatever's come the last five months. By the way, have you thought about this last five months? 2020? Who would have ever guessed all of this stuff would have happened? And we kind of eased into 2020 with a great prayer time. Little did we know this was all happening. But here's the question. What has all of this, this last six months, done in your joy? The joy in your heart. Okay, here's kind of a, a, the test of where we're at. I like to think of it in very practical um, ways because my mind works very simply a lot of times. To me, it's this. <laughs> Gauges. Okay, a very practical test of what the last six months has been, where is your joy gauge? All right, maybe you've come today and you're just like off the charts joyful. You just had this fill up. You are ready to go. Maybe you're just under full because, you know, you had to get up this morning. But yesterday was super. But if you're like 99% of us today, here, I love this one. <laughs> How many of you feel like this? Sometimes every time you get up in the morning, every time you go to bed at night, you're like, I know I need the joy of Jesus in my heart and on my face, but it is an all-out battle. I mean, if that's you, because I certainly know it's me on so many different occasions, this study today is for us. I mean, it's okay to be honest about these things. I mean, honestly... We come together as a body of Christ, and it's so easy to throw on this, like, you know what it's like, this, this plastic smile, and, hey, brother, we're good. You know what I'm talking about. And you know, down deep in your heart, you had a trip to the church this morning that was ridiculous. The discussions that came up, the fights in the back seat between all your kids, you're ready to pull into church and pull right out the next exit because you're going home. We're not going to church today. And then the pastor has to preach about joy. Really? So where the rubber meets the road, this is something that is so practical for every single one of us. This is born out of what God's doing in my heart. And I pray today that God would grow us in this concept. And when we look to Jesus, we are looking to the one who can provide joy in our lives. We look for joy in so many different areas. We turn on our TV and try to find joy in your best, your favorite program. And by the end of that program, you're mad because it didn't turn out the way you wanted it to. We certainly can't find joy because of the latest newscast or news report. Because that lasts, like, I was going to say two minutes, but it lasts two seconds. Because as soon as you hear the headline, you're about to throw your coffee cup at the news. This is ridiculous. You try to find joy by searching through your social media stuff. You're just going through there and you're like, nope, nope, nope. After 10 minutes, you're just mad. Well, how do we find joy as believers? In a very practical sense, where do we go to find joy? Scripture tells us, look to Jesus. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to kind of surround ourselves uh, and embrace this concept today as our key idea. Here it is. As our faith is tested, we must fix our eyes on the giver of joy. As we fix our eyes on Jesus, yes, He's the, the Redeemer, the Rescuer. Yes, He's the Conqueror. But today, in a very practical way, and this is a very practical sermon, He is the one that can provide joy in your heart. He's the one that can lift you up just like He lifted Peter up out of the water. He is the one that can provide joy in your life. So this morning, we're going to look at this, and we're going to start with this wonderful verse in 1 Peter 3. I may not set up the context in 1 Peter 3 like I normally would, uh, and here's the reason. 
was just a couple months ago for our Easter service, we actually dug into portions of this exact same passage. So I just want to read a verse. First Peter, it should say chapter 1, verse 8. Sorry, you're turning to chapter 3 right now. It should say 1-8. Would you go with me to First Peter chapter 1, verse 8, and here it is. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Okay, who are we talking about? Jesus Christ. Not a single one of us in here has seen Jesus in a physical nature. Though you have not seen him, you still love him. And this is the love that the scripture talks about. The verse continues on. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. I mean, we're talking about Peter writing this. The one who interacted in a very personal way with Jesus Christ. And he's telling us, though you, you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And here it is. I read this phrase and then I, I have a big smile on my face, but then my head just drops and I just shake my head. Because here it is. And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Why the smile? Because yes, this is the intention of every believer that our hearts are filled with a joy that you can't explain. But why do I drop my head and shake it? Because so often this is not me. And that is why we are taking the next 30 minutes and studying this, this amazing topic. Jesus, the giver of joy. Let's do this this morning. How would you define joy? Okay, if, if you were up here this morning, or maybe someone put you on the spot and I said, okay, raise your hand if, if you want to try to define joy. What would you say? How could you or would you define joy? Okay, automatically our hearts might go to, our minds would go to something like gladness, being happy. Well, certainly that is the case. As you go through the scriptures, you find that joy it carries with it an element of gladness, of being happy. Uh, it is the state of being happy. We like to be happy. But in a very specific sense, and I want to say this is more inclined to the New Testament of your scriptures, it is this. It is a deep inner satisfaction. Here's what joy is. It's a deep inner satisfaction that is grounded in God's work of great grace in our hearts. What do I mean? Well, it is a deep assurance that is not dependent on everything being just like it needs to be on the outside. Everything in my life being just put together the way I think it should be. Joy is not dependent on that. Joy is, is the deep assurance that is not dependent on outward circumstances, but is formed through oh, an inner contentment. What's the inner contentment? Here's the inner contentment. It's a strong confidence that God is working His plan. God is big enough to work His plan. And that through Christ, the God who saved my soul is the God who won't let me go. That is joy. Joy is not dependent on all these things being fixed on the outward. All these things put together like our calendar says they should be at the beginning of the week. Your day forming just the way you thought it should. That is not the joy mentioned in the scriptures. That certainly might bring a smile to our face when that rarely happens. But the joy mentioned in scripture is not dependent on outward circumstances. It's dependent on what God is doing in my heart to bring a smile to my face. Uh... One more note about this. And by the way, this, this word joy is, is of such importance to my wife and I that our oldest daughter, sitting right over here, 15, her name is Kara Christine. Kara is the Greek word joy. Joy in Christ. It's so important to us that we named our first daughter Kara Christine, joy in Christ. Our last, our, our, our fifth child, our fourth daughter, her name is Emma Joy. Because joy is such an important part of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. 
Biblically, just real quickly, I want us to think about this. As you go through your scriptures, we like to look at the storyline of the scriptures. When you think about joy in the scriptures, and young people, you can think about this. What does joy look like in the scriptures? Well, in the Old Testament, think about traveling with your family to feasts and festivals. We're talking about the tabernacle or the temple uh, as, as it kind of migrated to Jerusalem, and we see God's place, Jerusalem. Joy in the scriptures a lot of times is tagged to that. And so we tag joy to, get this, the presence of God. Joy is tagged to when we get to interact with the presence of God. Well, then you go into the New Testament of your Bible, and you very clearly see uh, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 6, that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So just like Jerusalem, the temple was to radiate with joy through the feasts and festivals, guess what is to radiate from our lives every single day? The joy of Jesus. Why? Because we've interacted in a personal way with the presence of God. This morning we've got a lot to look at, but I want us to basically run this down. We're looking to Jesus. We're fixing our eyes on Jesus. And we want to look at two things about Jesus this morning. Jesus is the, or provides the reasons for joy. And then, this is beautiful in the scriptures, Jesus doesn't just provide the reasons for true joy in our lives. Jesus provides the means for true joy in your life. Not just, hey, have joy. Because a lot of times we go to the reasons. Here's your reasons. We're going to close out today with with encouraging ourselves with what Jesus has done in your heart to create joy, the means of joy. Let's start with the first one. As a giver of joy, Jesus provides the reasons for true joy. Uh, there's so many of these, but we're going to tag ourselves this morning to 1 Peter chapter 3. And I want to just mention this first one. Jesus provides reason for, first joy and here, uh, for true joy, and here it is. Brothers and sisters in Christ, it is a permanent salvation. If you have doubts about joy in your life, if you struggle with joy in your life as I do, let us run to this passage. Would you look with me at verse 3? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again. A lot of times that's one of those Christianese type uh, uh, concepts, being born again. But no, that is in the scriptures. What is this being taught about? Just like Jesus talked to Nicodemus in, in, in John chapter 3, this is not a rebirth physically, obviously, because that's impossible. This is a rebirth that goes on in our hearts. This salvation, as is promised in the Old Testament, is what God is doing at the very core of who we are. Our spiritual hearts, destroyed by sins and spiritually dead, have now come alive to eternal relationship with the Holy God. So what's a reason we have today to be joyful? Here it is. If you come to Jesus in faith, He has saved your soul. He's brought salvation. Would you jump down to verse 9 with me? Because he, he just says it. Peter does. Verse 9. Obtaining the outcome of your faith. And here's the outcome of your faith. The salvation of your souls. Okay, this is what we've been talking about. What's the reason for finding joy in Christ? Well, a couple weeks ago we saw the fact that Jesus is the supreme rescuer. He's the Savior. But it goes deeper. Notice what it says. It's the salvation of your souls. Jesus is just not meant to fix all of your life on the outside. Jesus is meant to change your heart on the inside. And that's what joy is. So, the reason for joy that we have experienced, for those of us who have come to Jesus Christ by faith, we have experienced a very personal salvation. And this is very personal. Salvation of your souls. Those days when we get up in the morning and we are battling hard to get that joy gauge off of the E. What do we remind ourselves? You know what? Jesus saved my soul. That should bring a smile to my face. By the way, I'm curious, do you, do you remember what the angel said to the shepherd in the field? 
Do you remember this in Luke chapter 2 when Jesus was born? What is the first proclamation of Jesus' birth to these shepherds in the field? Do you remember what it is? Here it is. I'm just going to read it. The angel said to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of what? Great joy that shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So when we look at joy, our joy is tagged to the fact that we have a beautiful Savior. What is the reason for us to joy today? Well, we have a personal salvation. If you've come to Jesus by grace, faith, if you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, He has saved your soul. Rejoice in that. Here's another reason that Peter gives us. And like I said, this is a very practical sermon today. We're not, we're not like breaking any kind of intelligent records here today. This is very practical for where we're all at. When we struggle with our joy, guess what? Jesus saved our soul. Let us remember that. Here's another one. When we struggle with joy, let us remember that not only do we have a permanent salvation, we have a lively hope, a living hope. This isn't just like a one and done type hope. No, this is a hope that endures into the future. Would you look with me at verse 4 of 1 Peter 1? I'm sorry, verse 3, I'm going to read it again, we'll go to the end. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He caused us to be born again to what? A living hope. A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So when we struggle with joy and we look to Jesus, what do we find when we look to Jesus? We find a resurrected Savior that gives us hope for today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day until the day we breathe our last breath. This is a living hope. When we talk about living, it is one that is active. It is not stagnant or static. When we talk about hope, and we've talked about this on several different occasions, what is this concept of hope in the Scriptures? I love this. My friend Frank here loves talking with me. We love talking about hope. Hope is not wishful thinking. That's not hope. That's not the hope in the scriptures. A hope would be something like, you know, I hope COVID doesn't really make its way up and really pound out Reading. That's like wishful thinking, okay? Uh, hope is not, boy, I really wish, I really am looking forward to sending our kids to school in a couple weeks. Okay, it might happen, but that's like wishful thinking. Hope is not, I really hope that pastor shuts up so I can get home and eat lunch. Real wishful thinking right there. All right. This is not wishful thinking based on a desire. This is a confident expectation based on a fact. This is something that will happen. In the scriptures, what is what nails down this hope? Here it is. Jesus rose from the dead. If your hope struggles, then remember that we have new life in Jesus Christ. And He won the victory as we've looked at the last couple weeks. So, when we struggle with our joy, what are we to do? We're supposed to remind ourselves that we have a personal salvation in Jesus Christ. We should remind ourselves that we have a living hope. And then another one I want us to just briefly look at from this passage is this. Remind ourselves that we have a secure inheritance. Oh boy. This is where the rubber meets the road right now. I mean, just talking about investments and inheritances and all of these things in the financial world at this time. I mean, it's just a guess what this world's going to look like in two weeks. <laughs> what, the what the market's going to happen? What's going to happen with the market? What's going to happen with your bank account? <laughs> but there's something that we can find joy in beyond our bank accounts. And our investments. And what is that? We have an inheritance in heaven that is grand. Would you look with me at verse 4? Peter says this. To an inheritance. Okay, if we struggle with being joyful, let's, let's engage in this verse. To an inheritance that is imperishable. Undefiled. Unfading. You're not going to lose 10 grand in your investments in two weeks. This is unfading. But it doesn't stop there. Look at the rest of the verse. Kept in heaven for you. Verse 5. 
who by God's power, okay, this isn't based on you. This is based on the power of God Almighty who's guarding your inheritance. That's what it says. Peter says this. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. For those of us who have come to Jesus Christ by grace through faith, guess what? We have an inheritance in the next life. We put all of our hope in the next life. And who is guarding that inheritance, brothers and sisters in Christ? It is God Almighty. So when we wake up in the morning, let's just make this very practical. Wake up in the morning, and you got to tell your, your face to smile. Because <laughs> everything about you is not wanting to do that. Every pain in your body is not telling you to smile. Every bit of communication that you receive on your device, or your computer, or through the TV, is not making you smile. Where do we run? We run to the reasons that Jesus gives us to smile. And here it is. He saved your soul. He gave you an inheritance that will not be corrupted. He's guarding that inheritance. He's giving you a hope for the future that will last till you breathe your last breath and into eternity. All right. So that's some reasons that Peter gives us. But I want us to go a little bit deeper into this subject today. Because we could certainly leave here today and you'd be like, great, that's the shortest sermon that dude's ever preached. (laughs) But we're not going to. Because I don't want to stop right there. Because reasons are good, but there's more to it in the Scripture. And here's the more to it in the Scriptures. As the joy giver, Jesus not only provides the reasons for true joy, He provides the means to help you have true joy. He's the one that ignites that fire in our souls for true joy. Because to be quite honest with you, if it's based on you or me, we will never have true joy. You cannot manipulate this joy in your heart. Well, let's take just a couple minutes this morning and kind of walk through the means of true joy. Would you go with me in your mind? You can go on, on, on in your Bibles if you want to. I'll, just, I'll reference these passages. What's happening in John chapter 13 through 17? Do you remember? Just go back with me in your mind to what's happening in this passage, okay? Jesus humbles himself and washes his disciples' feet. Do you remember this? John chapter 13. Tells his disciples to do the same thing. Uh, John 13 through 17, we find this. But then he takes time in the upper room as he shares this Passover meal with his disciples. What is he doing? He's teaching them. Because what's going to happen the next day? Think about this. He's going to die. What's happening? He's going to die on the cross. So you would think in your mind of all these things Jesus could talk to his disciples about. I want to tell you what Jesus zeroes in with his disciples. Yes, service. Yes, worship. But there's a key here. He zeroes in on joy. Figure it. I mean, death is coming the next day. And Jesus is saying, My prayer is that your joy would be full. Oh, that has so many implications in how we deal with suffering in our lives. We'll get to that in just a minute. All right, would you think with me? I'm just going to read a couple of these verses. Listen to what Jesus says, and John records in John chapter 15, verse 26. Jesus says this, But when the Helper comes, Yes! You can't do it on your own, dudes. That's what Jesus is saying to his disciples. You're not going to be able to do it on your own. So I'm sending you a helper. Brothers and sisters in Christ, who is this helper? The Holy Spirit. Also known as the comforter. Some of your passages actually might translate it as the comforter. So what's Jesus saying? When the comforter comes, and then the rest of the verse says, whom I will send from the Father to you. The Spirit of truth which proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness of me. I want us to just read John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. This is what Jesus says. Well, I'm going to tell you that's very key to truly experiencing joy, keeping God's commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. Verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another comforter, or another helper. Here it is. 
to be with you. If you're reading this passage, would you highlight this, verse for me, this word for me? To be with you sometimes. Is that what it says? Absolutely not. Jesus says, I'm going to send you a helper to be with you forever. Here it is. I mean, we cannot miss this in the scriptures. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, they can't receive it, but you can. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. That's talking to the world. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit. What is the means for joy in our life? The means of joy in your life is the fact that if you've come to Jesus by grace through faith, He has implanted His Holy Spirit in your life forever. I love what the outcome of this is. John chapter 15, verse 11. If I could just read this, you can kind of engage in this. I know we're kind of taking a bit of a chunk out of these, verse, these passages. John 15, 11 says this. These things I have spoken to you, catch this. Why did Jesus teach him these things? In the upper room discourse. Here it is. That my joy may be in you. So not only is the Spirit in you, but what is the Spirit producing in you? My joy, the joy of Jesus. And Jesus says here to his, his disciples about to go through crazy circumstances. Think about what the next 24 hours is going to hold for these disciples. Abandoning Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm going to send a comforter inside of you. And what is he going to do? He's going to bring joy into your life. And he says, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. We're talking about the discussion that Jesus has with his disciples right before he's put on the cross of Calvary. Joy is a big deal to Jesus Christ. When we think about the things we go through every single day, we are to fix our eyes on Jesus, the one who has provided true joy for us. So, very clearly, we see that Jesus is going to give us a helper to provide joy. And that helper is going to be within us. It is the Holy Spirit of God. All right. What about this helper? And we'll just quickly bring out two points about this helper. A helper who comforts believers through suffering. Get this. Okay, there's two major things that terrorize joy in our life. Suffering and sin. Very clearly, the Holy Spirit of God walks with us through suffering. Um, there's so many passages we could go to on this, but I want us to stick to 1 Peter chapter 1. Right there. Right there in the passage you're looking at in 1 Peter chapter 1. Would you look with me at verse 6? Right after we have the promise of an of a inheritance that will not fade, what do we have here in verse 6? And this you rejoice, though now for a little while, I'm reading 1 Peter 1 verse 6, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. It's not if, it's when. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And here's the verse we started off with. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not know him or now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Brothers and sisters in Christ, here is the biblical fact. God does not extract us from suffering to give us joy. Rather, through the promised Holy Spirit, God gives us joy through our suffering. Through the trials of this life, He gives us the grace to smile, to trust Him. I want us to remember the primary example of this. We're looking to Jesus, right? What does Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 say? This passage we've talked about every week. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. What is the next phrase? Who for the joy that was before Him did what? endured the cross so we have jesus christ enduring the cross with an inner joy knowing that there's purpose behind that 
That is the same as us. In fact, if you remember in your mind to the book of James, you remember what James 1 says? Brothers, count it all what? Joy when you fall into or you're led into various trials or temptations and suffering in your life. The fact of the Bible is that through the Holy Spirit, God is not simply extracting us from our suffering. God is walking with us through our suffering. And in no way do I want to be disingenuous to the suffering you're going through right now. There's some amazing pain going on in hearts right now. Amazing pain. I'm going to tell you, God's grace is not just seen in your life by taking you away from that suffering. God's grace is seen as He's walking with you through that suffering. Joy. How do we find joy? We realize that God has given us a helper and this helper will bring us comfort through suffering. I want us to look at this though too because this one is what's heavy on my heart. This is a big deal. This helper guides believers in a sin-cursed world. Again, you turn on the news and you see this all over the, all over the place. We live in a sin-cursed world. Brokenness, pain, suffering. Um, I, I think in, in my mind, I'm going to quickly go back to the upper room. Back to Jesus promising His disciples the Comforter. Listen to this verse. Jesus says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. And when He comes, He will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So what is the Holy Spirit doing? He's convicting this world of His brokenness. But that's not all the Holy Spirit's doing. If you jump down to verse 13, When the Spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all truth. This is the beauty of what the Holy Spirit has done in a broken world. Not only is He convicting the world, He's guiding you through the brokenness of this world. And brothers and sisters in Christ, very clearly, very simply, how does He guide followers of Jesus Christ? Well, the answer is found in that wonderful book that you have on your lap right now. Or you're looking at on your device right now. The Word of God. This is how the Spirit is guiding us and guarding us. Um, I, I want to go to one of the passages, because this is where the rubber meets the rose, and we'll close out with this passage. Galatians chapter 5. This is from the Apostle Paul. So we're talking about the Holy Spirit, the Helper. Look to Jesus, and He will provide the Helper for joy. Okay, this is where we're tracking. What is the Spirit going to do for us in this broken world? Well, I'm just going to read, and you can follow along, or you can just listen. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Here it is. Paul says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. Oh boy, everything in us from our, our sinful flesh is saying participate in the ways of the world. Participate in the popularity of the world. Participate in the, 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 the desires of the world. And what is the Holy Spirit of God saying? No, no, no. Nope, come with me. I'm going to guide you away from these things. I'm going to guide you into a better life. Look at verse 19 of Galatians chapter 5. Here it is. The works of the flesh. This is our broken world we live in. Right here. The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy. Okay, we'll pretend this next one's not in there. But it says fits of anger. Rivalries. These are real deal, rubber meets the road stuff going on in our world. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And here's what Paul says. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The Spirit of God has not gotten a hold of their lives, those who regularly practice these things and find no condemnation in them. But there's a verse 22 that we need to see. But the fruit of the Spirit. How is the Spirit going to guide us through a broken world? Here it is. The fruit of the Spirit is love. What's the second one? Joy. What is the Spirit doing in our lives right now in a broken world filled with all of this nonsense that we just read? He's giving us the opportunity to put a smile on our face. 
The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Um, verse 24, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. You're identified with Jesus Christ. Verse 25, though, makes it very practical to daily growth in Christ. Verse 25 is so good. If you, or if we live by the Spirit, we've been given new life through the, by the Spirit, here is the practical obedient mark here. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. So how do we enjoy this joy from Jesus? Here it is. Truly keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Every single day, every single moment of every day, enjoying who God is, what Jesus has done, and the indwelling Holy Spirit. Okay. So what? We're ready to go home. So what? I, I said a lot of words today about joy. And we kind of went a little all over the place on this. But the fact of the matter is, we look to Jesus as the joy giver. And as we look to Jesus, the joy giver, we realize that he's given us the spirit as the means for joy. So I have a question for you today. All of us here today. Have you found true joy through faith in Christ? I don't want to take for granted that every single one of you here today has come to the place in your life where you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But until that happens, grasping for a joy that you will never find will be your life story. The only way to find true, lasting joy is through the interchange that Jesus will do in your soul. My exhortation today is this, just like the last couple weeks, don't delay. Please, friend, don't delay. If God is pulling on your heart to put your faith and trust in Jesus, let this be the greatest day of your life because you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Here's what Paul says to this jailer about to, to take his own life in Acts chapter 16. He says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Would, that be the, would today be the day for you when you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone? <clears throat> for those who have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I just want to ask you a question. Are you truly enjoying joy? Or are you enjoying true joy by keeping in step with the Spirit of Christ? Where are you right now? Where are you in your spiritual walk? We like to talk of this joy. The, the way it's described in Scripture is how do we enjoy the, the true joy of Jesus Christ is by walking in step with the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. The work that the Spirit's doing in our hearts. So the question I have for all of us today is this. Are we keeping in step with the Spirit? I put up there the Spirit of Christ because you'll go, and here's your homework for the week. Go to the rest of 1 Peter 1, chapter uh, 1, and you'll see very specifically this interesting terminology used for the Spirit. It's used twice in the New Testament. The Spirit of Christ. One, the Spirit that Christ has promised to us. Are you enjoying true joy by keeping in step with the Spirit of Christ? Really? Really enjoying this joy that God has intended for you in this broken world. Here's the question. I'm going to add it. I didn't put it on your sheet there. What's stealing your joy today? What is digging into your life and stealing that joy? We know for a believer who has the Spirit inside, you cannot have your joy completely stolen, but it surely can be terrorized. All right. There's a lot of terrorization going on right now in our world of our joy, the believer's joy. So the question is this, what is stealing your joy? I mentioned two things today. A wrong view of suffering. Maybe in your mind you think that because you've come to Christ, everything in your life's going to be golden until you reach heaven. I don't mean to burst your bubble today, but that's not how the Christian life works. 
So how we struggle with joy is a misguided view of what suffering is and suffering in my life. But we've already mentioned that one. Here's another one, though. What steals your joy? I'm going to say what steals joy so easily is an unholy participation in sin. Very clearly in scriptures. All right, so your homework is to go through 1 Peter 1 and read it the rest of this week. And what you're going to find in the very near verses as you read is this. Be holy because your God is holy. How do you experience true joy? Is by living the way that Jesus Christ intended for a follower of Jesus Christ. In plain words, sin, mark this down. Sin will always steal your joy. Sin will always terrorize your joy. But through suffering and sin, we find this biblical assurance that Jesus navigated through both sin and suffering. He sent His Spirit to help you navigate through them as well. So I I sort of close on this personal note. As I started the sermon, God has been reminding me constantly of these truths all week long. Probably as you look back in your life, you've been thinking about this as well. Um, Not just the last six months has God been reminding me about the Spirit. I'm wrestling with this even in the last three days. And we're talking about prepping for a, a super quick camping trip up to Siskiyou. Hooking up everything and then no brakes in the trailer. Well, that wasn't going to be so quick. But still being able to enjoy the camping trip. Getting home from a camping trip and ready to jump back in the sermon preparation for Sunday morning. Yes, brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, toilets do overflow. Not realizing that one of the children or someone, something happened where one of the toilets flowed for two days straight in our house. Two rooms, the only two rooms, nonetheless, that have carpet in our house. Yes, filled with that wonderful smell right now. I'm telling you, yesterday, coming home, I'm like, all right, you guys get the house, get the stuff out of the camper, let's go. I've got to go get some studies in. And walking in the house, like, oh dear. Shop back time, tearing out carpet time, all of that. You know what I'm talking about. But even in that, you know what the Holy Spirit of God was telling me? Hey, Andrew, that's lightweight stuff. Guess what? You have a house. Guess what, Andrew? You have a toilet. <laughs> Guess what? You, these are all first world problems. Andrew, the joy of Jesus in your shallow life. The joy of Jesus is what's going to guide you through this. Andrew, have you forgotten all the ways Jesus has blessed you? He's blessed you with a salvation. He's guarded your inheritance. Andrew, you know what the Holy Spirit's saying to me this week? This world is not your home. You're just passing through. Your treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Andrew, don't stop looking at the one who can truly give you joy. Brothers and sisters in Christ, many of us are frustrated beyond measure with the world, the country, the state we live in right now. Too easily our joy is being stolen or terrorized, but remember, this too shall pass. Until then, a simple reminder as we look at today is our faith, as our faith is tested, we must fix our eyes on the giver of joy. So God, that is the prayer of our hearts today. So easily, our joy is being terrorized. So easily we're distracted and discouraged. And I pray, oh God, that you would give us the reminder constantly that we have a worthy Savior. A Savior who has blessed us with a helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit. And I pray today, Father, as we walk out these doors, that we would walk out with smiles on our face, not because we're living this fake life, No, but because we can find true joy through the trials that we're going through right now. We look for the next life. And I pray, God, that you would remind us that every day this week. 
As we continue in prayer, with your heads bowed in prayer, your eyes closed, however you really want to pray. This morning, would you simply do this? Would you thank God for the joy giver, Jesus Christ? This Savior, who died for us on the cross, had an intense interest in your joy. So much that he gave you, if you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he gave you a spirit to produce joy in your life. Through whatever you're going through right now, would you pray this with me? That this week you would see clearly the true joy giver, Jesus Christ. Through the pain, you know what it's like when you put your head on your pillow at night and you can't sleep because that pain won't leave your thoughts. We're not talking about an emotional, mental pain. We're talking about physical pain. Maybe you can't sleep because you truly have a physical pain in your life. Would you attach yourself to the true joy giver, Jesus Christ? The one who saw the cross in front of him and endured the cross with joy. There may be someone here today or a number of individuals that you say, man, I've heard a lot of this before, but not all of that makes sense. If I could just, as before we go, assure you of this. It's no mistake that you're here today. No mistake. If I can assure you of this, God loved you so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. To take your penalty on himself. Today, would you place your faith and trust in this Jesus? You don't have to overcomplicate this. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And we see in the scriptures that this true faith is, it reaches deep into the heart and comes out in the life of repentance. Would you come to Jesus by faith today? Young person, older person alike, would you come to the Savior today? If you have more questions about that, I'll be at the front at the end. I'd love to talk with you more about that. Find someone around you. Talk more about this. But don't go through another day without settling this. That Jesus has provided true joy through the cross. God, we thank you for the time we could spend today together in your word. And I pray now as we close out with a song of praise to you. That you would constantly lead our vision to the cross of Calvary. A Jesus who suffered and bled and died for us to provide this true joy, this lasting joy. Thank you for this congregation, the listening ears today, and please bless as we close out this service with an anthem of praise. In Jesus' name, amen.